The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. But I want to talk about the subject of fear. You know, several years ago, I was traveling for work. I was a salesman type of person. I couldn't help but, you know, when you're at the airport, you're... So today's sermon, just FYI, make some side notes. When I'm talking about fear, I'm not going to be talking about that you should test God. And what I mean by that, you know, when Daniel was in the lion's den, he was not afraid, but at the same time, he didn't test God by going, pulling on the lion's tail. So I want you to understand what I'm talking about as we get into the message, because today's message is not so much of a sermon, but I want to talk to you more than a sermon and use God's word to look at it because a lot of people are living in fear. And you know, when you're at the airport, you overhear hear your conversations and there was a little girl that started yelling sitting behind me and her dad was trying to calm him down and apparently she saw a spider and he was calming her down and saying, you shouldn't be afraid of spiders, daddy's not afraid of spiders and so forth. See, there's nothing to be afraid of. And she said, are you afraid of slimy worms, daddy? said, no, I'm not afraid of slimy worms either. What did she say? What about a brown cow? She said, I'm not afraid of brown cows either. She said, wow, you're not afraid of anything except mama, are you? And that cost me $5.25 because I spilled my white mocha all over, the, all over myself. It's pretty funny. But in seriousness, fear, it taunts, it harms us, it dominates, and it paralyzes us. And fear chews away at our lives and we lose our self and self-confidence and trust in God, and, you know, fear really robs us of sleep. There's health issues. Uh, it robs us of rest, our praise. And we as Christians, we're not conquerors. And I'm seeing this more and more with everything that's going on in our country, from politics to the virus. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. We have the opposite of confidence, which is fear. And that's fine. Fear is a natural Emotion. It was one of the first emotions actually demonstrated in the Bible in Genesis 3.10 when Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. And what? I was afraid. I was afraid. The Bible, though, teaches us very plainly that God wants to live our lives in confidence and fully trust him. So as we face 2022, really the future has two handles. One is fear and the other one is trust and obey, Right? And it's all about which one you grab onto. And it's interesting, the Word of God keeps, tells us over and over in His precious Word, fear not, do not be afraid, fear not, right? We hear those words all the time. Over 300 times it repeats itself. And also Paul writes in Philippians 1.28 says, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. You know, some other translations put it, do not be frightened by anything by your opponents, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And what's interesting, uh, before I left on vacation, Cindy McNeil gave me a book, which I read on my vacation. It's called, When Nation Forgets a God. When Nation Forgets God. And it's written by Irvin Lutzer, which is also one of the pastors that I like to listen to. And, you know, it, it takes place in Germany. He kind of compares Nazi Germany to what's happening in the United States today. 
See, the problem is with us, when we think Nazi Germany, we all medically think Holocaust and all that kind of stuff. But what, how did it get there, right? Think about Germany. That's where Martin Luther nailed 95 Theses to Wittenberg Church, took a stand for God. He spoke up for the Word of God and really started some movement in there, Protestant movement, if you will. Years later, same Germany... Hitler rose to power. And you know, before he even got to where we usually associate Nazi and Hitlers with, a lot of pastors preached against the Nazi Germany. They took a stand against Hitler. But what did he start doing? Persecuting the church. He only allowed those to preach that preached in favor or put good light on the Nazi party. Slowly. In most churches, a fear of being shut down or being persecuted kind of went along with it. You know, we just don't have to preach about those things. We'll preach this thing and he'll leave us alone. And they went along and he allowed them to preach. But those who were opposed were imprisoned out of fear or persecution what might happen to them, what might happen to their families. So they just looked the other way. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because what's happening in our country, you, know, you heard me say it before, we shouldn't blame the White House, shouldn't blame the State House or the schoolhouse that teaches our kids. It's the church house. We're in fear. We're looking the other way. And you know, I want to look at some things that fear does, because again, fear is a natural thing, but it, I'm going to be talking about the spirit of fear. And Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want to read the first eight verses and kind of look at this, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Jesus Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call in remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Louis and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of of God. Share with me the sufferings. Now, we're going to stop reading right there, but people are afraid of all kinds of things, right? People are afraid of the dark. People are afraid of spiders. People are afraid of losing their health, wealth. People are afraid of losing their loved ones. And when I'm saying people are just afraid of life. But not just people, folks. Again, 
we can go look in the mirror and we can see that fear because we're living anything more than last two years in the age of fear, right? We go turn on the television, fear, fear, fear. Now fear strikes the poor, sophisticated, unsophisticated, famous, infamous. But what happens to Christians when we live in this spirit of fear? Again, don't test God. We'll get to that in a moment. It keeps us in bondage from doing what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. God wants us to be free from this spirit of fear. And again, doesn't mean you're never going to live without being afraid. And folks, you know, I wouldn't want to live without being afraid. And I believe Roosevelt said in 1933, there's nothing to fear but to fear itself. It's a very good line, but it's not true. We should fear some things. Fear is productive. It's a protective mechanism that God put us in front of us. You know, we sometimes look both ways before we cross the street, fear of getting hit by a car. We should be afraid of rattlesnakes. We should be afraid maybe of spiders. That's fine. We should be afraid of drunken drivers. So there's fear that keeps you, certain fears from operating. It's self-preserving kind of fear, self-preservation. Kind of reminds me of Farmer Joe. He backed up his cow and got into a car accident, and he was hit by a truck, and his car, his cow was throwing one ditch, he was on the other ditch, and then he decided later that he would sue the transport company for the damages. And the lawyer said, well, didn't you say at the time at the car accident he told the police officer, hello, you were fine? And uh, Farmer Joe proceeded to explain. He said, well, see, what happened was, and he began to talk, and the lawyer interrupted him and said, no, just answer the question if you told the police officer that at the scene you told the police officer that you were fine. And he again proceeded to explain what happened happened, and the lawyer interrupted again and said, judge, can you just tell him to answer the question, yes or no? And the judge said, well, I wanna, I'm kind of interested what he has to say, what happened to him and his favorite cow. So he said, well... What happened was police officer did arrive at the scene, and I see him walking over to my cow, Bessie, and she's bad shape. I heard him moaning and so forth. Then I hear a fire gun go off, and he shot the cow. And he came over to me and said, hey, your cow was in such bad shape, I had to put it down. How are you feeling? Sorry, kind of took a long time to get to the point, right? But it's that self-preservation fear that says, protects itself. So some certain fears are normal. God has given us normal fears. And there's some spiritual fears that we also should have. And look at what Matthew 10, 28 says. Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear those. That's all men can do to us here in this life. But he says, here's what you should be something afraid of, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And folks, sometimes people, even Christians, living in sin, and they think they can't get away with it. If you think you're going to meet God with some sin, you don't have a speck of good sense. God is a holy God. Sin must be punished. 
And there's a fear that you should have of meeting God when you die without making it right with God, without repentance. And there's another fear. It's called the fear of God. So we should be afraid spiritually in the fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. If you don't fear God, I don't care if you're Elon Musk or whatever, or whoever you are, smartest person, but if you don't have a fear of God, you don't know anything. Because in Proverbs 1.7 it says, The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. That's the ABC. When we're talking about wisdom, knowledge, instructions. And if we don't learn this fear of God, we're not going to learn much of anything. And in Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his mercy. And folks, when it says fear him, it's not talking about this cringing dead fear. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about reverence for God. Think about an electrician, for example. He has to fear electricity, right? But it doesn't mean he goes to work cringing all the time. He knows the power that it creates and so forth. So he has reverence for that. So there's no competition between fearing God and loving God. And look at what Proverbs 19.23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. And I remember reading a book, I don't know who said it, but somebody said, he who fears God the most loves him the best. And all fear is God's is simply love what's on its knees. There's no competition between loving God and fearing God. And folks, I'm not afraid of God, but I love God with all my heart. But I want to tell you there's also this fear of God. Every Sunday, not just every day, but every Sunday I'll tell you when I step out here, there's fear of God. Because I am going to be accountable for what I am preaching from this pulpit, what I am instructing you and how am I handling God's word. There's that fear, and I hope there's that fear in your heart. And you know, people ask me, how, how, do you, how can you tell if you, hear, if you have the fear of God, the right fear of God? Well, tell me how you feel about sin, and I'll tell you what kind of fear you have. It's how you feel about sin. There was a teenage boy that was pressured to do drugs, and his friends were mocking him and making fun of him. He said, what you, what's the matter? Are you gonna, afraid what your mom and dad are going to do to you? He said, no, I'm afraid what I'm going to do to my mom and dad when they find out. That's the reverence. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, as Proverbs 18.13 says. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and perverse mouth I hate. So fear of God is not this dirty fear. We should have it. It's a clean fear. And look what Psalm 19.9 says. It's exactly that. The fear of the Lord is what? Clean, enduring forever. So the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is clean, it's not a filthy, it's a good fear, it's a productive fear, it is reverence for God. So those are normal fears. There's fear of eternal hell that every person ought to be afraid of if they haven't repented and recognized the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you know, when we come together here, most of you probably know I love to laugh and joke. Sometimes my dad 
you know, pulls my ear, says too much. But God forbid we should ever come into this place without the reverence for the Lord. How are you coming into the assembly of the saints? Do you know you're supposed to come with the fear of God in here? Look at Psalm 89.7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Not only I am going to be held responsible, what I preach, but how you worship God. What kind of cart are you coming in here with? So in our hearts, there's desire that wouldn't do anything to offend God Almighty. Now, I don't mean when we come here we have to be quiet like we are now. Maybe we should do some stretching exercises or... I don't know if you're still sleeping for some of them celebrating the New Year's. doesn't mean we have to be noisy, like mousy. You know, we praise God. There's, we can read in the Scripture, there's trombones and everything and playing and loud music and so forth, and they're praising God, but we have to do it with reverence. So there's that fear that we have. But I want to talk about is this spirit of fear. Because the spirit of fear, it's demonic. It's not from God. It's abnormal. You know, we have a whole bunch of phobias today, right? I had to look up some phobias on the internet. Acrophobia, that's fear of heights. Claustrophobic, people don't like to be in tight spaces, right? There's a neophobia. A lot of us have that. That's afraid to do something new. We don't want to do new things. We've always done it this way. Favorite hymn they sing is, I shall not be moved. You guys know that hymn? Shall not be moved. So there's these kind of numbing fears, senseless fears, and the Bible calls them the spirit of fear. And you don't have to be a weak person to be afraid. Do you know that? You guys know I like history. Do you know Julius Caesar? Not somebody that you would say is a scary cat, right? But did you know he was afraid of thunder? He was afraid of thunder. In my own home country, Peter the Great, the Tsar of Russia, you know how much people feared him? They feared him so much that he said, hey, I want a I road build from this point to this point. And he took a ruler and drew a line. And when he nipped, drew drawing a line, he nipped his uh, thumb and it created a little dent in the line. Guess what the people did? They built a road with a dent <laughs> in it. But you know that man was afraid to step on bridges? He would shake. He'd never wanted to go over a bridge. And apparently, the scripture I read, Timothy allowed his fears to prevent him from serving God. Perhaps it was the fear of failure, rejection, fear of persecution, fear of people. Maybe it was a combination but his fears had crippled him. They paralyzed him. And Paul attempts to encourage him and tells him to have courage. So let's talk about what this fear does to a Christian. It can do all bad things to us. First, it leads to forgetfulness. I'm talking about the spirit of fear. I'm talk- not talking about normal fears. I'm not talking about testing God. I'm talking about the spirit of fear and the spirit of fear causes you to forget so many blessings that you had in your life. You overlooked them. 
Because if you look at verses 6 and 7, look what he tells Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to steer up. He's reminding them. Why? Because he forgot. Steer up. Keep the fire going. Keep the flame active. Steer up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit, but of power and of love and of sound mind. What happened was Timothy forgot something. And Paul says, therefore, I remind you. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your heritage. You've forgotten what God has done for you. God wants you to do through you. And he says, there's this gift of God in you, but you've forgotten it. He had this experience, spiritual experience. He had a great spiritual heritage, his mother and grandmother. And it causes us to forget about all the blessings and all the protection that God provided in the past. And it takes all the blue out of our sky, right? We're just, oh my, what's going on? All this fear, and we just get locked up and we forget that God is faithful. And he says, therefore, I remind you, stir up your gift. Keep it, keep it going. No matter what's happening, you shouldn't be fearful. And every one of us, folks, every one of us, especially just coming back from Puerto Rico, and sometimes, you know, I like to go out, not to the touristy areas, but see how people are living. Every one of you is knee-deep in blessings, folks, compared to some people in this world. You don't have a tarp as a roof, do you? Some people do. And we forget that. Not only we forget when we're being controlled by this spirit of fear, but it leads to failure. And what I mean by that, it prevents us from doing what we should be doing as Christians, no matter what's happening in the world. If you look at 2 Timothy 1.8, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy didn't have much to be afraid of, but all of a sudden he's afraid of. And if anybody had anything to be afraid of, it was probably Paul, not Timothy. Now Paul, where was Paul? When he's writing this letter, 99% of the time, Paul's always looking for prisons, right? Say, when we travel to a new place, we look for hotels and motels. Paul's looking for how good the prisons were. He's in prison. Now, Timothy was afraid to take a stand for Jesus because he's afraid what might happen to him. The authorities arrested him and threw him in jail. Maybe the same thing happened to me. Are, Are you afraid to take a stand for Jesus? when somebody's cursing and using his name as a cuss word. And I don't know if you heard, but in Canada now they passed a law. If you preach on sin of homosexuality, that is considered hate speech. And you can be fined or imprisoned for it, even from the pulpit. Now I'm interested to see what pastors are going to do. Who's going to stand up and preach the word faithfully, and who's going to cave and make compromises. Do you forget what God does for you? So this fear also causes us fail as Christians in our life. And we're no longer the salt and light in this world, but if salt is no good, what do they do with it? Just throw it out? So we have to take a stand. We have to be bold. 
and where we're not going to fail. Again, it doesn't mean you go to somebody and just point out all their flaws and nick them. But you have to take a stand. And all about sacrifices. Think about it. All those pastors in Nazi Germany that... It's a really good book. If you, have, if you like to read, I would recommend it. It's not a really long book. It's about 200 pages. But all those pastors that compromised, nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows their name. But one of the famous ones that stood and died in jail was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. His books are available. People reference them. They study them. Why? Because he took a stand. And there's a cost associated with the stand. That's why Paul says, share with me in the sufferings. Jesus reminded his followers, they persecuted me first, that he going to persecute you. But somehow we have the idea that we as Christians should be always living in luxury. We should be allowed to do everything. But the Bible tells us times will come, we won't. But we shouldn't be given to the spirit of fear, but be bold and stand up for what we believe. If you really think about it, what's, what's the main thing that keeps people from sharing Christ or being soul winners? Think about it. Just because you don't know anything or whatever. You know, witnessing is really pretty much just sharing what God has done in your life with you. You don't have to open the scriptures and all that stuff and no theology. You can just share what God did with you, why you believe in Jesus Christ, right? But why don't we do it? Not that we haven't experienced birth or all these miracles. It's fear. We're afraid we're going to be judged. Maybe we look foolish. We're going to go against the grain. Maybe we'll become unpopular. When it comes to witnesses, witnessing for Christ, a lot of us are the Arctic River. You guys know the Arctic River? It's always frozen at the mouth. We're just frozen. And not only that, folks, as we discovered lately, there's some people that can sing solos, even a cappello. <laughs> right, Mike? You'll never sing a solo. Why? Because you're afraid. And until you'll deal with this spirit of fear, because when you get up here, especially for the first time, right? You want to sing. The spirit of fear takes over you and puts his icy fingers on your throat and so forth, and you're thinking about thoughts. They're going to judge me. They're going to do these things. Well, who are you singing for? You don't have to be a professional. Who are you singing for, for them, or are you singing for God? you got to learn how to live for an audience of one. Some of you could teach a class. Some of you can preach a sermon, do some wonderful things, but you won't do it. You have the abilities, but they are unused. They're buried and forgotten. And do you recall the parable of talents Jesus told? The man with five talents, he went and got more and so forth and so forth, but there was this one. He took it and he buried it. If you reflect on that scripture, do you know why? Fear. Look what it says in Matthew 25, 25. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So, folks, don't let, because we don't have a lot of people, intimidate you. 
There's so much buried talent in here that can serve God. As I mentioned with Rick, I know I'm pointing him out, and he doesn't like that, but just use him as an example. He just goes and does it, and that's what I love about it. All of you can serve in some kind of capacity at church. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a group leader, but you can do other things, and they're not less than anything else. And folks, it's not that we don't have the ability to do it, but some of you are just afraid. You're paralyzed with fear. Folks, I'll tell you. When I first started talking, you know, you stand up here, my mind sits down. Do you think I ever wanted to be a preacher or ever thought I was going to preach? You know how I started preaching? Dad said, you're preaching on Sunday. That's it. And knowing my dad, I know if even if I didn't prepare, it's going to be like, we're going to hear a sermon from Cornet. He's going to go sit down, and that's it. And he's going to wait till you get up there. So I had to prepare something. And what's the biggest people fear that people have is speaking in front of other people. Did you know that? I remember I had to take a speech class. It was required for seniors in order for you to graduate. I had to bring spare clothes when it was my turn to speak because I would sweat bullets like crazy. Couldn't speak, couldn't talk, got a D minus in it. But one of the things that the teacher told me is your comfort zones are often expanded by a lot of uncomfort. Sometimes people ask me, how do you preach in front of people? You know, is it hard to preach in a big church or a small church? Preach the big churches. Ours is, believe it or not, is a medium-sized church. According to statistics, average attendance is 75 people in the average church. But my answer is always, it doesn't matter. You say the same thing, you read the same thing, but when there's just more people there, right, there's this spirit of fear somehow comes over you. And Timothy had failed to share Christ and had failed to stand up for Paul. Paul was in prison. Again, Timothy was afraid it might happen to him. So what fear did was it shut his mouth. He'd forgotten his heritage. Paul had to remind him. He says, when I call in remembrance, there's genuine faith. It's in you. I know it. It was in your mother and your grandmother. He forgot all those things. Fine background, his raising, his upbringing, all those miracles I'm sure he had in his family while he was growing up by his parents and grandma being faithful. And we are gripped by this fear. Most importantly, we forget what Christ has done for us on the cross. What Christ has done for us on the cross. You see, we can't focus on our fear and focus on faith at the same time. Did you know that? We can't do that. And Paul had to tell Timothy, don't be afraid. Open your mouth. Preach the gospel. Preach the word of God. And that's what the devil wants to do. Folks, he wants to silence us. Again, I'm not asking to start a march or something like that. But he wants to silence churches. 
He wants the silence about our convictions for the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to be bold in our faith. He doesn't want us to be bold in our convictions. He wants us who believe the right thing to sit by and let those who have the wrong thing have the stage. That's what's happening. Because we're small, we think, hey, I can't go compete with that and what that pastor is saying or what they're doing. All we have to do is stand up for the light and truth, preach the gospel, and God will do his thing. Going to, that, that's, you know, if you ask the deacons and so forth, that's, you know, when the people ask about, are you worried about growth or are you worried about certain things and so forth? To a degree, yes, but to a degree, no. Because according to the scriptures, my job is to stay faithful to him and God will stay faithful to us. He will do what's needed. And yes, we shouldn't just go like this and do nothing because it does tell us to go out and preach and encourage those. We do everything that God asks us to do and God will take care of the rest. I truly believe that. And I think this church is a miracle, folks. You know, we started it very, very, as a pastor starting during coronavirus, it's not very exciting, challenging year. We had other difficulties as well. But yet we're here. We're here, and everything is being taken care of. Why? Not just necessarily because of me, because of you. You stay faithful to the Word of God as well. And folks, those who want us to believe the wrong things and, you know, a lot of things with going up, and I don't want to get political with this woke things and, you know, CRT and all those, it's sin. Preach about sin. You know, we had the country with the racism thing. It's sin. Are all police officers racist? No, but they're, they're racist police officers? Yes. Just like people. Is America a racist country? No, but are there racists living in this country? Yes. And we allow to have those people to center stage because somehow we're afraid